Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Told of a creature that was six and a half to seven feet tall. The CIA ran secret mind control experiments. It's a tale of a creature that's been seen by many, but believed by few. Experts say there have been reported sightings of paranormal activity. And there was this creature and it ran down this hill. They say something was flying over their house and they have no idea what it was. How the world's most powerful individuals are actually shape-shifting reptilians. My scariest ghost hunting experience. the year continues to just absolutely fly by it's another thursday night and this is paranormal irl i'm your host jv johnson thank you so much for being here appreciate everybody as they're filing into the chat rooms love doing programs like this we've got a very very special and terrific guest joining us in just a moment patricia mona is a psychic medium but not just a psychic medium it's a, she's a psychic medium that's worked with law enforcement has actually helped uh, in 30 or so cases, recovering or finding or helping to find missing persons. This is a really special discussion we're going to have tonight. Before we get to that, I want to just take a minute and uh, thank everybody who has offered to support the program. It's really very much appreciated when you do that. We've had a number of people join us on our Patreon page. Also, by clicking the little uh, support icon on the bottom of the podcast app. Now, being somewhat of a technical illiterate, I can't completely tell you where that thing is i know i can find it like in the anchor app but it's different on every application so if you're using google podcasts you'll find it one place if you're using apple podcasts you'll find it in a different place but we have so many great people that have uh, decided to support the program by clicking on that little support icon and i think it's like 99 cents a month you can do or it can go higher than that but uh it really doesn't matter it's just the fact that people are willing to support what we're doing here it's very much appreciated and I always say this about the podcast version of the show. The episodes, when we were doing five nights a week, uh, if anybody remembers, that was a couple of years ago before we had to scale it back a little bit. Uh, we were getting uh, about 100,000 downloads in the course of a week. Uh, millions of listens during the course of a year. Unbelievable numbers. And I thank each and every person who uh, listens to the show in its podcast form. It gives us a chance. We edit it a little bit, shorten it up a little bit, tighten it up a little bit for the podcast thing. Because we know that people who listen as a podcast are usually doing it when they're driving to work or something like that. So their commutes kind of dictate how much time they have. Um, and still, even though we're only doing the show right now twice a week, we still have tens of thousands of downloads every week. So thank you to everyone who does that. It is really much appreciated. But I also very much appreciate everybody that joins us during the live broadcast as people file in to our chat rooms right now. We are currently broadcasting on YouTube. We are on Foxhole and we are on Twitch. 
I think that is the list right now. We've cut back on a couple of the platforms. They just got it gets too much to try to monitor all those different chat rooms. I'm sure you know what I mean. There's a lot going on. So I try to focus on the YouTube and the Foxhole chat rooms. We've got great support in both of those platforms, so thank you so much. Hey, it's JV here. You know I've asked for your support in the past, and I'm going to do it again because it's really, really important. And there are a couple of ways you can support the show, and it's so inexpensive. Now, you can go to Patreon, and you can become a Patreon supporter, and we really, really encourage that. But there's also another way. If you look at the description of the podcast, if you're a podcast listener, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a way to support the show directly through the podcast. App. And it's only 99 cents a month. It's less than a buck. You probably have that change in your couch right now. That dollar a month, less than a dollar, goes a long way in helping us produce this program, provide great interviews for you during the course of the week. I thank you in advance because the support is so important to the program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But as I said, tonight we're going to be uh, having a very, very special, and I guess I'd call it a unique discussion. Patricia Mona is an internationally known psychic medium. She's also a remote viewer and an ordained minister. She's dedicated her time and expertise to local and international law enforcement agencies from around the world to help locate missing persons and bring closure to victims in homicide, kidnapping, or uh, unexplained disappearances. In addition to locating missing persons, Patricia teaches psychic development, guided meditations, and meets privately with clients from around the world. Uh, also, as an ordained minister with the United National Church, Patricia's guidance and healing uh, meditations will deepen your spiritual connection and assist you on your healing journey. And we're very, very honored and very pleased to have Patricia with us. Patricia, welcome to the program. It's great to have you here. You and I were chatting just before the show started. You're in Canada. You you, you kind of explained to me that you're still kind of uh, locked down there. You can't travel. You can't get out. I would love to travel. First off, thank you so much for having me. This is an honor, truly honor. Yeah, we're, um, we're still told that... Um, if you haven't had a certain shot that uh, yeah. when you're not allowed to get on a plane, train, or automobile, or a plane, train, or a <laughs> boat, sorry, a plane, train, or automobile, <laughs> plane, train, or boat, you are not allowed to get on. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a discussion all in itself. Yeah, it really is. But, you know, we're going to talk about a lot tonight. But one of the things I kind of want to set the stage for here is when we get talking about your work with law enforcement, We've talked to a lot of psychics on the program. It's, it's a regular feature of what we do here. Not all of them work with law enforcement, and many don't work with law enforcement because, I don't know, maybe it's just not part of what they want to do. You do. You actually dedicate much of your time to working with law enforcement. What's the difference? And I'm not trying to ask you to compare yourself to other psychics, but what motivates you to want to use your sensitivities and your skills in uh, in a law enforcement capacity, um, in addition to, I know you do private readings and those things. Well, the reason is, is they're the ones that can get things done. They're the ones that can work with the search, track, and rescue and actually take my coordinates to where I believe the missing person is so that then they can 
you know, do search and recovery or search and rescue. But when I'm just, so even when it comes to a, a missing person case with family, so I only ever take cases directly from immediate family or per, law enforcement, like the police officer in charge of the investigation. Um, I've worked with historical crimes. I've, I've worked, oh my goodness, all across Canada. I've done um, ones down in the States, Australia. I've done them everywhere because as a remote viewer, as you know, you can be sitting you know, on your couch and just tuning in. And then what I have to do is take what I see in my mind's eye and match it onto Google Earth and drop, drop a pin on to where search and rescue needs to go and look for the missing person. And so I just find that they're the ones that can actually get it done. Because if I take a case, we'll say from a cousin of a cousin or a best friend of a friend, that's a looky-loo. What are they gonna actually do with my information? Nothing, nothing. So I need to give it to the people that can actually do something with it. It's speculation until there's someone found, right? So for me, it's let's get the job done. Let's bring this loved one home. That's the difference. That's why I love working with law enforcement. What's the attitude of law enforcement? And maybe it's different in Canada. I know here in the United States, it's very few law enforcement agencies will actually seek or accept the help of a psychic medium remote viewer. They seem very reluctant in many cases. There are some that will and do, uh, but in many cases they seem very reluctant. And it seems strange to me that you wouldn't accept whatever help you can get, especially when people are desperate. I 1000% agree with you. It's actually quite frustrating because I have, you know, come across in my career, those hard nosed skeptics that just don't want to take a tip, but they have to. Here's, here's the, the trick. If you come across a law enforcement that doesn't want to listen to you, where there's a will, there's always a way. There's Crime Stoppers. Crime Stoppers, by law, has to look into every single tip. It doesn't matter if, if you have eight different voices talking in your head. The minute you call Crime Stoppers and you give in a tip, by law, they have to investigate it. So I don't hesitate to call that number if I'm dealing with a police officer that doesn't want to take the tip. Now, that doesn't really happen because I don't look into cases that I'm not asked into. I don't, honestly, I don't have time for that because I get asked into quite a few cases. Um, so I don't just go, oh, that person's missing. I'm gonna go find them. And I most certainly, here's the other difference. I have never and will never accept a cent from a missing person case. I believe that, you know what, if God gave me this crazy ability to do this, it is, I have to, it is my way to give back to society. Because as a mother of three boys, I would hope that if someone could do this within their capacity, that they would do it for me. You know what I mean? I just feel like it's the right thing to do. And because it honestly, a lot of cases come very easy to me. It just flows. I've been doing it long enough that I know what spirit is trying to show me. I know how to, you know, work my way through a map so I can find them. Um, but yeah, so my, my intention when working with the police, they really have nothing to lose when it comes to calling me into a case, right? So I have specific police officers that will call me all the time because <laughs> they know me and they, and they know what I'm right. capable of and what I've done for them, and right? Um, but really, to back up and see where this came from, I actually, in 2000 and, 
think it was 2008 or 2009. I had started, so I've always been psychic. I've always, I didn't know you guys were. To me, this is my reality, right? So I didn't know that it was anything different. You know, you don't know until you start asking questions. Well, in 2008, I started asking questions and I went to a psychic development course that after the course, the teacher and I were friends. So I'd hung out, had a coffee after and um, her cell phone rang and it was an RCMP um, up in one of the neighboring Just to towns. clarify, just to clarify, because in the United States, we might not automatically know what RCMP means, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, right? Am I, do I have that right? Correct. Okay. Yes. And they are the equivalent of the FBI. So um, CPS, which is Calgary Police Services, um, they are, are like your sheriff's office, right? And then we have um, CSIS, which is even higher than um, RCMP. So there's all these different branches. And so her RCMP officer cousin had texted her a picture of a missing person and said, hey, quickly, can you help? She just went missing a few hours ago. Can you look into this? And so she looked, she looked, and she's like, Patricia, have a look, have a look. I'm not really picking anything up. Have a look, see what you get. So all of a sudden they started writing down everything that I was seeing, right down to the flowers and the colors of the flowers that were on the couch that she was laying on. And cause this, this woman was alive and she was literally, unfortunately, my only person that I have found alive. Everyone else has been deceased, um, but, so she gave my coordinates, everything that I said um, to the police officer. And within a few hours, they located her. Oh, wow. And so he called me to say thank you after that. And I said, that was so easy. Can I do it again? Can I do it again? That was fine. That was so easy for me, right? And he said, ah, no, no, the RCMP do not use psychic. I am so sorry, but no, the only reason why you even got involved was because you were sitting beside my cousin who I sent that photo to. He said, but there's an organization out of Phoenix, Arizona called Find Me. And they are an organization of everything from FBI, DEA, search, track and rescue, um, linguistic specialists, handwriting specialists, uh, body language experts. They have top of the line facial recognition stuff, like huge hub of law enforcement. He said, and they're all volunteers. None of them get paid. They're all volunteers. This is what they do. They're dedicated to finding missing people. They also have 115 psychics that are tried, tested, and proven. So let me explain that too, because it's not easy to get on with Find Me for any psychics that are thinking, ooh, I get to practice. What's well, tough. You have to prove yourself. They do background checks, not only on you, but on your family. They do um, test cases where they will literally take an old case that I know no one knows anything about other than them because it's already been solved. They know the ins and outs of the case and they will basically give you a picture and say, find this person for me and go off of that. And your accuracy is based on those like your, your accuracy has to be above a certain level in order to actually even volunteer on the team. And I'll tell you why. It is um, by donations that this team runs. And it is very expensive for anyone who goes, well, well why don't you, you know, give the information over here. Are you gonna pay the $40,000 to get out a search team with cadaver dogs and go 
find this person? No. Then why should I take my time when the police have the cadaver dogs? You know what I mean? They can do it. So they work with AZ Star out of Phoenix, Arizona, which is the cadaver dogs. These cadaver dogs are literally only cadaver dogs. Cadaver dogs are extremely hard to come across because police dogs have been actually trained in everything. They've been trained in sniffing for the bad guys, for the dead guys, for the guys with drugs, all of it, right? You need dogs that their specialty is cadavers. And that's what Find Me has. So they only accept information from top psychics. And I was blessed to volunteer with them for almost 10 years before Canada finally started noticing me. And it's like, woohoo, I can finally serve my own country. How bizarre is that? So, and yes, now I'm up to 30 missing people that I have found. So, and it's not just me. It's not like I'm out there pounding the pavement and finding the bodies. No, it's my coordinates. A hit is when everything matches up. They are found within a few feet or exactly where I say they are in the condition. Was it suicide? Was it homicide? Was it kidnapping? What happened? I see the whole story. The whole story unfolds. Now, with regular remote viewing, you see bits and pieces and you describe, you describe, you describe. Well, I was trained at the Monroe Institute here in Vancouver, Canada, or sorry, um, on the island, actually Vancouver Island, by Paul Elder. And I remember one of the targets was the Titanic. And immediately I shot up my head, I said, it's a Titanic, I'm drowning, I can see them, I can hear the music. And I got in trouble because he's like, no, don't tell the story. He's like, you just describe, is it cold? Is it wet? I'm like, but why? Why would I do that when I see the whole story unfold? So for me, I get the whole, like I watched it, <clears throat> like I watched it on in a movie or read it in a book. It, it plays out in my memory and it's scene for scene what happened. So back to the police, why wouldn't they use me? It'd be silly not to, yeah, especially you, when I do it. Yeah. You, well, you mentioned that sadly, uh, that one case was the only case where you actually found the person still living. Yeah. Uh, and that, the, the sad part about that is if the police maybe embraced this idea and came to you first versus waiting until they're quote unquote desperate and have no other answers, you know, you might be able to intervene or someone like you might be able to intervene and, and save a few more lives. I mean, that would be the, the, the hope anyway. I 100% agree with you. I totally do. It's usually historical crimes that I get involved in. One of the ones that I just did in Texas was 31 years old. So mind you, it doesn't matter, like if, unfortunately, if a, if a person is deceased, it doesn't matter if it is a death that just happened five minutes ago or 3000 years ago, an energetic imprint will be sitting there in time. And I know this because I've been working with archeologists out in Australia on, to locate ancient massacre sites and ancient burial sites so that they can preserve the land um, and give it back to the indigenous. So it doesn't matter how old it is. Like I said, if it's there, if it happened, the matrix recorded it. Wow, so um, I'm not sure where to go next other than 
when you get a, when a case comes to you, whether it's through law enforcement or, or family, what type of information do you need to be able to begin the process? And how long does it take? Is it something that, you know, you, you talk about it, you, the whole story plays out for you. Is that does that happen within a few hours or is it a few months? Uh, how does that happen? No. For you? It's, it's usually instantaneous as soon as I tune in. So every single person has an energetic signature. And for me, I'm super visual. So as long as I can see who I need to tune into, I can get into their energy field. So I need a picture and I need to know where their last known whereabouts was. And I'll tell you why. Everybody has a book and I will see everything on this person from birth all the way up to death. I don't need all that information. I just need to know where in the book they went missing from, right? So <clears throat> the minute I can get that location, I can get an eye view of where they went missing from and then track their steps through their eyes or through their consciousness from there. Wow. Uh, you know, I imagine there's a lot of joy, for lack of a better word, to actually help solve these cases. But when you're going through that process, do you feel sadness? I mean, you must... You must, by default, absorb some of the emotion that the person is going through if you're seeing it through their eyes. No? No, not at all. I'm <clears throat> So before I did this, I was a palliative oncology nurse for 13 years. So I think God prepared me yeah. <laughs> for my next career because I've, I've seen everything. I've had many, many people pass in my arms and take their last breath as, as I held them. So I've seen you know, huge bed store bed sores and really gross things. So I'm, I'm pretty good from that career. Yeah. <laughs> that one, if anything, is a little bit more scarring, you know, because you literally have to love these people and then let them go. And that was tough. With the people I'm finding, I don't have an emotional bond. So I can look at it like I'm looking um, at someone on TV. You do you get emotionally upset? Well, maybe if the acting is really, really good, right? But you have that detachment. You know, if you're watching something on TV, you're not going, <gasps> and I'm choking if they're choking. And, oh, my God, I have an arrow in my back. No. And psychics who do that, come on. I'm going to be very honest. You do not need to process the information through your body at all. You can view it. You can change, literally change your level of perception. You can look at it from going to a, on top of a tree or going and projecting your consciousness. Literally, I know this may sound weird, but you can project your consciousness into a bird and view it from there. You can look at it from the ground. You can look at it from the victim or the perpetrator. You can, but why not stand back and view the whole scene and the whole scenario, right? So for me, I don't have that you know, if, if, if they were brutally murdered, I'm objective enough that it doesn't affect me. You know what affects me? Building the bonds with the family. That's what affects me. The people that I just want to see them bring their loved one home. I just want to see them have peace because on the other side, it doesn't suck. I promise everybody, it does not suck. It is way better than this 3D hologram matrix that we all think that we are in. This realm sucks. That realm is way better than this one. So don't cry for the people who have left us. Celebrate that, honestly, because they're celebrating being out of their body. So my job is to help bring closure 
for the people that are left behind so they can move forward in their lives. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Is there a difference in your process if a family member or family members approach you for help versus law enforcement? Because I can only imagine that when the family members do, they bring a lot of emotion with them. They must. I mean, how can they not? So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. I have kind of even stepped away from working directly with family members. And I'll give you a really good example on why. I worked on a case here um, in Alberta where a man burnt down the family home that had a sister, mother, and father in it. And he had another sister that lived about three hours away from where I live. She contacted me and, sorry, her daughter, so the suspect's niece, contacted me and said, my, my grandparents are, 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 have been murdered, my aunt has been murdered, we need to know who did this. So she actually drove the three hours down to Calgary and I sat with her and I immediately knew that her uncle did it. I described the, the house, the reason why, um, the outside of the property. I described intricate details that I shouldn't have known, especially since obviously I knew nothing about the case. So what happened was she went back home, told her mother everything that I had to say, which is great. And in the meantime, I said to her, please get the police to contact me with this, right? There's more details that I need to share that I wasn't comfortable sharing with her. But in the meantime, she told her mother. So what did the mother do? She drove straight to the brother's house and said, a psychic by the name of Patricia Mona has accused you of this. And she knew details that there's no way she should have known about our parents. What do you got to say for yourself? So I got a nasty phone call from him threatening me. Yeah. And in TV land, arrests happen like that. In reality, they don't. They need to build a case. It takes months, sometimes years. Well, in this case, it took nine months of me looking over my shoulder, knowing that this man knew that it was me working on the case, (laughs) dishing out the information that, of course, I shouldn't know. And I received a phone call from him um, where he says to me, he says, I think you're wrong. I know you're wrong. I know you're wrong. But I'd really like it if you come and walk the property and see what you pick up. And I was like, are you crazy? There's no way I would ever do that. Well, that conversation had been tapped. So that was good. Um, but he also, what was the other thing he said to me? He said to, oh, the, no, it was what I said to him. <clears throat> I said, I know I'm not wrong with this. And I know because I see your ass in jail. Sorry, excuse my friend. No, it's okay. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so I hung up on him after that. Didn't hear anything. Kept bugging the police. Okay, come on, guys. When are you going to make the arrest on this guy? It's getting a little scary. You know, because he even knew my number. My phone number's out there, right? That's my phone number on my for my business. Um, but it, it took them almost nine months to make that arrest. And that's, that was scary. So I'm very careful with what I say to the family. If I, if, because if I feel, um, or if I see, we'll say that it's a suicide, I'll take the case. I'll tell the family members where to go find their loved ones. But if it's a homicide or there's foul play, I know better. 
than to take those cases from family. I'm working with the police, period. You know, that's such a great point. And I don't know that I've even ever considered that. And we've had several folks on the program who have worked with law enforcement. And I don't think that's ever really been brought up. But your safety is important, too. And if you start offering information that implicates somebody, you never know who you're dealing with. You never know. You know they're capable of bad things or they wouldn't even have entered this story. So, yeah, you you need to be concerned with your safety, too. Well, and I've had a few officers say to me, Patricia, you're nuts. Why are you why are you doing this? Why are you helping us? Because we cannot offer you any safety. There's nothing that we can offer you in the line of safety. But my response and I mean this when I say this, I truly believe that if God gave me this crazy ability to do it, he's got my back. I got angels or something because he's got my back, you know, and if something ever did happen to me, well, I believe that everyone has a timeline. None of us make it out of this hellhole alive, honestly. So we just got to be the best version of ourselves, show up every single day, not just for ourselves and our families, but for humanity. This is what we've been brought here to do. Right. So I believe that some some higher power has my back. A lot of people confuse the ideas of remote viewing and, and psychic perception. Are they one in the same for you? I mean, you obviously use both in your efforts to help people, whether it's solving crimes or just helping people if they want a reading or some kind of uh, personal consultation. Uh, are they are they drawing from the same energies, Patricia? Or are they very different skills? They're different skills, but yes, they absolutely draw from the same energy. They draw from the matrix, that that divine mind, whatever you want to call it, the Akashic Records. You can call it whatever you want. There's something there that's a storehouse for this information. And so for me, it like I said, it just plays out like I've watched the movie, read the book. Um, and with remote viewing, it's... The way they teach it, we'll say like at the Monroe Institute or with the CIA, it's a systematic approach that the government actually formatted, right? Well, for me, it's, okay, I can do it your way, but then let me add my way to it. So that's what I've done. I've taken what I learned at the Monroe Institute and just built onto my into my toolbox, if that makes sense. So here's, I guess, the best way to describe it is remote viewing. It's being able to clear your mind, see the little bits that come in, right? And write them down, make notes. Well, for me, it's visceral. I can feel it. I can smell it. I can taste it. I can hear it. I can, I use my whole body to receive the information. So whereas with remote viewing, there's a systematic approach to be able to clear your mind. You, you clear it by doing this little squiggly thing at the end of, yeah, anyways, um, there's just, there's the book way to do it. So I've, I've learned that, but then I've added tools from my, my toolbox, I guess. You touched on this a little bit, but I want to go back to the beginning. You said you said you you know you kind of grew up thinking everybody was the same. Everybody had these visions, yeah. these psychic connections, which I always tell my guests, who many of them say, "Oh, everybody can do this," and maybe that's true. But I feel as sensitive as a brick. I really, honestly feel like there's a lead shield between me and whatever it is out there in the universe that is providing this type of information and these these um, 
these uh, sensations. I just don't get them. Um, I might be able to be taught and I might be able to learn, but just like anybody with music ability, I'm a music musician. Uh, it comes a lot easier to me than others. So maybe that's how, how to explain it. But how did it, how was it for you when you were, especially as a child growing up and if you were having these, these, uh, I don't know, contacts or, or visions or whatever it was, how did you process that? And did you tell anybody, did you talk to your parents? Did you tell friends? How did that work for you? So it's not like I see dead people walking through walls or hear disembodied voices. Thank God. <laughs> I would probably think I was crazy if, if that was the way I was taking it in. Um, so I really didn't know that my reality was any different. I could feel things. I could feel uh, when spirit was in the room. And if I started asking questions, it would just open up. So I stopped asking questions. Um, I was brought up in the church. My, my parents were big time born again Christians and saying their prayers at night and reading the Bible, you know, at night. And so this was very taboo. So for my parents, it was in their language, I rebuke it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it was totally taboo. But then when they passed away and I finally got my own chance to look in, what is God to me? Because it wasn't the same as what they, as, as what they believed. I truly believe that there's truth out there in every single religion. And then there's BS in every single religion because man has muddied it up. So we need to go within and find our own truth. And you feel it. The more you, I don't know, for me, um, the more I pray, the more I meditate, the more I go within, the more I connect with nature and my own stillness, I become aware of all of these different realms of information that is around. But if my mind is really, really busy, I can't. It's almost like I got too many tabs open. So I can't hear the stream that I'm actually looking for. So when I was a kid, the other thing too, that I nearly fell off my chair when I realized, oh my God, um, I have something called synesthesia where I see my letters and numbers and colors. So I was going to ask you when you said you're a magician or magician, musician. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I can't talk tonight. It's been a long day. I've been at work since 10 a.m. So bear with me. <laughs> um, but what color is your G note? What color is your notes? Do you ever see or feel or hmm. taste your feel your music because I, that's cross senses. Yeah, I definitely feel it. I mean, I, I it's internal to me in many many ways in many cases, but I don't know that I've ever that's interpreted it as colors in any way. I don't know that I could answer your question what colors your your G chord or whatever. I I don't think of it in those terms, but I definitely internalize it and I definitely can feel it within myself. So, that's synesthesia. Um went for me G is brown. And I see my my numbers as well in colors. And where I found this little handy, oh my goodness, this is weird, but little, I don't know, trick or whatever you wanna call it, uh, is when it comes to remote viewing, it really comes in handy to see my letters and numbers and colors. Because when you're in that state of remote viewing, you're using, your the left brain logic is stays here. It's the right brain that you're going out through. So the left brain logic is the one that processes the numbers and the letters. Well, you can't see that stuff when you're remote viewing. Your, your mind won't understand that you're looking at the number one 
it'll look like a squiggly, squiggly line or something, right? Your brain won't process it. Well, for me, when I started looking at license plates, we'll say of a getaway car, I would see instead of letters and numbers, I would see like a color-coded barcode on the license plate. And that's how I would know exactly what the numbers and the letters were because it would correspond to the color that was showing up on the license plate of the getaway vehicle. Because you can't process letters and numbers in the right brain. That's left brain logic stuff. And if your corpus callosum is ever severed for whatever reason, you will never be able to read again. You won't be able to process that info. So is that, is this the skill or, or trait that you're describing here? And I don't remember what you called it. I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to pronounce it. What is it? Synesthesia. Synesthesia. Is that a physical trait or is that again, spiritual and related to your psychic abilities? I've never no, heard of it. I've never heard of it before. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a thing. It's a physical or um, it's when you have heightened senses okay. and your senses, they call it a gift. Go figure. <laughs> For me, it's just the way my, my brain processes. Um, like your name, for example, J.V. Johnson, it has more, way more browns and greens and reds in it and then my name my name has brown or sorry not no brown in my name it's pink and it's white and there's yellow in it and my m is blue my o is is clear my n is a light green my a is dark blue so i can even see and feel the resonance of your name just by looking at it on the screen and looking at the colors of it so I know that that sounds really well, weird, I, but it's I, just I, I'm just again, again, I'm I'm really thick and dense when it comes to this stuff. So I'm trying to understand it. But uh, is that any? Is it similar? And this may be a very naive question, but is it similar to people having auras? Is it the same idea? Because people will who, no. could, who okay something different. No, it's where people can literally taste sound. It's a crossing in the brain somehow. You'll have to look it up, but okay. it's a physical thing. It's a thing. It's not. Auras, everybody's got an aura. Everybody has an aura. It's just up to, you know, um, who sees it and who can't, who can and who can't, right? And that, all of this, yes, you can absolutely be trained. Now, it's like with, you have 10 fingers, you can play the piano, but your degree of how far, how high you go, it depends on your practice. And if it comes naturally to you or not, right? Yeah. Um, and it didn't in the beginning, too, for my musicianship. I mean, I, I, I worked hard at it. And, and now it's rather easy. And I suppose that's the story of anybody who works hard at something. It becomes easier over time. Um, I want to talk, though, a little bit about uh, your work as you said you're a palliative care nurse. As someone who spends time with patients who are terminally ill, and as you described, many of them, passed away as you were with them, holding them in some cases. Uh, and as a medium, how did those two lines intersect for you? Uh, because as you, you must have witnessed people leaving their bodies or, you know, something like that. Obviously with those sensitivities, those two things, I don't know if they, if they clashed or if they were uh, symbiotic. Well, to me, it was, it came naturally to be able to even scan a person from head to toe, look at them, and literally know what they need. 
you know, know if their cancer, where it was within their body, if they had diabetes, um, it, I could feel it and I could see it because it looked like a break in the auric field around that part of the body. And then I started asking questions and I would just get the answers of what it is that this person needs. I'm going to be honest. I thought every nurse could do that. I thought that that was, oh, I've been on the job this long. This is why I can do it. I didn't actually stop to go, this is part of a psychic ability. I had, I didn't really know until I started looking more into my own spirituality, delving into this and going, okay, what is this? This is freaky. You know, I'm able to predict things. I'm able to see right down to within minutes of a person's death and predict that. Why can I predict this? And that's when, you know, but to be honest, I actually found my first missing person before I ever did a reading. I didn't start doing readings until 2011. And did in that first missing person, that was when you d you talked about your teacher friend uh, handed you the phone. You looked at, yeah, okay. Yeah, which is a great story, by the way. Um, I need to ask you this question. This is, again, me being a little naive here. Um, and I, about maybe four, three years ago or so, I was talking with a, a psychic, and they kept using the word spirit as a, a singular, I don't even know what. I always thought it was a spirit. You know, there are spirits and there's an a, a spirit and you have a spirit and this is a spirit. But you also are using the word as, as a more encompassing word. What is the what is spirit in that term that you the way you're using it? Well, we do all have a spirit and we are all a spirit and we go back to spirit. Spirit is all around us. So I think it really depends on which context I guess you're using it in because you used it correctly by saying, yeah, we are all a spirit. Yes, we are. So sometimes, sometimes I'll say universe or spirit because people are very sensitive when you say God. People go like this nowadays yeah. when you say God. It's all God. All of it. We are all a part of one source. We just think we're individuated. We've just forgotten who we are at the core of our, our being, right? We're all spirit having a human experience. It's the spirit that moves on to the other side. This will feel like a bad dream when we cross to the other side. It'll be like, what was that? It'll feel like yesterday's dinner, a glimpse in our memory. But it feels real while we're here, doesn't it? <laughs> Most of the time, most of the time it does. So, so to try to, again, redefine this. So when you use the word spirit as a singular, all encompassing word, and you also said you can't, sometimes you'll interchange it with the universe. So is it this greater consciousness, this, yes. okay. The divine matrix, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Now there's different realms. Don't get me wrong. There's different realms um, in, within this big, um, you know, cosmic universe. Um, and, and I do definitely believe that there are different beings out there within these realms. hundred percent there is. And I think that if anyone thinks at this point, you know, with the technology that we have and, and what we know now, if anyone actually still thinks that we're alone in the universe, that's just silly talk at this point. It really, really is. Let's talk about some of the other things you do. Uh, we could talk about the missing person stuff all day because it is so fascinating. And so many people, especially right now, there's this real interest in true crime and, 
You know, you see it all yeah. over. You go to Netflix and almost every leading series they have is some kind of true crime story. Uh, so people are fascinated by it. But you also teach. You actually work with folks and help them develop these skills, right? Totally, because everybody is psychic. It's just, you know, some people need to learn how instead of it coming naturally. It's just like, you know, if if you threw a guitar in, in my arms, I wouldn't know how to play it, but I'm sure if I put it in yours, it there are some people where they just pick it up faster, you know? Um, I'm in the middle right now of a quantum psychic series called Quantum, Psych quantum Psychic Remote Viewing the Matrix. And I'm so flipping proud of how well the people are doing. Um, there's a lady on there that keeps every single target. And we're doing this on Zoom. So there's no peeking whatsoever. She is nailing them targets left, right, and center. And there's a bunch of them. Like even I would say 90% of the class is 100% nailing something on that target whether it's a, a descriptor word, whether it's a feeling, a sensation, a color, um, the description of what it looks like. You know, it's it's just fascinating because none of these people have ever done it before. So yeah, it's, it's proof that yes, we can all see. Uh, and I believe it's a frequency, I really do. If you think about it, we are constantly sending and receiving signals all day long, just like a radio station, right? And it's just a matter of, do you know the radio station that you need to tune into in order to get the message? That's all it is. It's learning to tune yourself, your reception, so that you can hear in and see in to those other realms or reach up and gain access to that higher realm of information. It's a frequency adjustment. When you so I teach people how to adjust their own frequency so that they can tune in as well. So when, when you teach folks, um, do they do they need any kind of prerequisites to they can start from cold? Like someone like me, again, about as sensitive as a brick in my own mind, uh, I could I could join your class or your sessions or however you do it. And over time, you could teach me how to uh, tune into the right frequencies. I would, I would rather you know nothing so i can teach you my methods that's all i know is my methods i didn't other than paul elder at the monroe institute that's the only course that i've taken so i know my methods and i know what worked for me and it started fascinating me when other people that i taught it was like this they were catching on like this so i do i have my own methods that i've combined with remote viewing to kind of be able to even bigger open up that screen of reality so that you can even get more intricate details. So, yeah, no, I, honestly, I'd rather you know nothing and then that way you're not saying, but they didn't teach me that at the Monroe Institute. The CIA taught me this. No, 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 forget that. Let me teach you my methods because it's, it's different. Uh, I have several people in our chat rooms who are sympathizing with me saying they too are also as thick as a brick and as sensitive as a brick when it comes to this stuff. So they're being very encouraged by what you're saying here, Patricia. They're very excited about it. Um, I do have somebody asked here, do you do a lot of meditation and grounding? Is that part of what your routine that, that uh, when you go into whether a session or, or a remote viewing session? I would love to say yes. But no, I teach meditation and I can, because I channel my meditations, I just drop in and let Source speak through me. Um, my, If you want to know my secret to go, 
um, it's actually in the morning, I say my prayer and I just say, Lord, work through me, work through me. I put my hands in the air, activate my hands, <laughs> let them bless and heal everyone they touch. Speak through me, speak through my words, calibrate them to your message so that I may be of service to humanity. Boom, it's go time. Uh, another chat comment here is uh, um, be the light says I'm able to do that. Uh, can tune into stuff, but uh, when be the light does that, I don't know if it's he or she gets into a zone and he, yeah. or, she, he or she can't do everyday stuff like drive a car when they're in that zone. Is that common? Well, um, <clears throat> no, that's not really common. And I'll tell you why, because some of my greatest remote viewing is done when I'm driving the car. So it isn't even the act of meditation that's going to help you really deepen the remote viewing experience. It, it will, but you can do a driving meditation where you're literally giving your left brain logic something to do. You're doing it uh, something that it can do on autopilot. It's the hypnagogic state that you want to get into. So you know that daydreaming state well, for me, if it's an easy road and I know my way home, I'll go for a drive if I'm stuck on a case. And I'll allow my left brain logic to get out of the way so my right brain can pour in the information. And I start asking questions. And so here's a little tip for any psychics out there. Listen to the bounce back voice. Have you ever noticed that there is always a conversation happening in your head? Have you noticed that? So here's the thing, who's talking to you? You think you're talking to you, but remember that you're a radio station sending and receiving cosmic messages all the, all the time. This is why you pick up, oh my God, I was just thinking about you and you called, or I just bumped into him. I was just thinking about him, right? It happens because it's a wavelength. It's an energy, it's a field of energy when we project our thoughts into that field even our thoughts have weight and people don't realize that but the cia sure does so you can actually do a, a, a meditation while you're mowing the lawn it's anything that gets you into that light daydream state start asking questions there is a bounce back voice that will answer your questions that's the voice of your intuition it may sound really little really low but something is always answering always always answering you the voice that i keep hearing in my head keeps saying buy more donuts i don't know if that's the same type of voice you're talking about patricia but i have to say no i gotta turn it off because otherwise i'd buy a lot of donuts well what kind of donuts it might not be a bad idea <laughs> um i do want to uh, again going back to be the light be the light said i don't i feel like i don't have a switch where I can turn it on and off appropriately. Do you have a switch, Patricia? Can you shut it off when you need to? Yes, yes, I absolutely can. So I'll tell you, I never, I don't read for friends or family. I don't read outside of my office. I got little boundaries that I stick to. Um, and I do, I most certainly, I turn it off the minute, um, the minute the client leaves the chair or the minute the Zoom stops. It's gone. And that's a beautiful feature to have because I don't even recognize faces. Literally within, I'd say half an hour to an hour after a person walks out my door, I could bump into them at the grocery store an hour later and not recognize them even because them 
all of it is gone because their source of their information is gone. I'm no longer looking at their book. It's not in my face because you're using a different part of your brain when you're actually in that state, right? My left brain logic is out of the way. So how do I turn it off? I'm careful on what I focus on. I don't focus on the past. I never focus on the future. For me, I focus solely in the present. I heard the best saying that sums up what I'm trying to explain, because it really is the cure for anxiety and depression. It says, depressed people live in the past. Anxious people live in the future. Peaceful people live in the present. That's where I found my peace. I don't care what happens tomorrow. And I most certainly don't care about what happened yesterday. I can't change any of those. The only thing I can possibly change is now and be responsible for my actions, my words, my deeds in every single moment, moment to moment. So that's how I live, moment to moment. You want prosperity? Live moment to moment. Enjoy the prosperity that you have. You want more love? Enjoy the love you have right now. Because when you do, it will be amplified from your body. And you know what the sexiest thing is in the world? A happy person, a secure person, a happy and joyful person. That's a resonance. Stop and think about that. And think about in this world, when you're walking out there, how many happy people are there out there? I'm going to tell you something. I used to be riddled in depression and anxiety before I used to do, before I did this stuff. I was 210 pounds walking with a cane before I started doing this stuff. And I'm telling you the healing, it, that's a whole other story <laughs> to get into. Um, but it'll change your life when you're when you're happy. It really will. I look younger today than I did ten years ago. That was the point of that. I hope you don't mind. Joy me. Yeah, I hope you don't mind me asking. You you were a, a very different person. Obviously, you described yourself as uh, over two hundred pounds walking with a cane. How did you turn all that around for yourself? I mean, it took more than just starting to thinking to live in the moment. Obviously, there, how did you do that? That's really inspiring, actually. I became of service, honestly. So what happened was um, I have a very, very rare neurological condition that hurts like you wouldn't believe, or it used to hurt like you wouldn't believe. It's called erythromyalgia. And I literally have too much light in my, in my body, too much sodium. My sodium channels don't close. And so it causes crippling neuropathy in your arms and in your legs. And that had kicked in in about 2008. I've always been skinny mini until they put me on medication. I couldn't get out of bed. I ballooned and it was brutal. I could hardly, hardly walk. I could barely, if, if my husband by 6.30 a.m. when he left for work didn't help me down the stairs, I was screwed. I was stuck upstairs all day long. And so I couldn't go back to nursing. I couldn't be on my feet. And it was at that time because you know, it's interesting. Pain serves a purpose, you guys. It really, really does. Bless the BS in your life. It serves a purpose if you allow it to, because it was my pain that led me to this. When you're in excruciating pain, when you're snotty bawling on the floor and having that dark night of the soul, you will finally look up and go, okay, what's the plan, Stan? What's going on here? What? You and me got to talk, right? It was that. It was that. So I, I believe, I know, I know every single day I'm led to my next big adventure, my next big level of prosperity and abundance. So 
back in 2011, I had walked into my favorite holistic wellness center, got talking to the owner, and she mentioned that it was for sale. Even though I was on disability and didn't have a clue, only thing I had was good credit, didn't have a clue how I would do it. I stuck out my hand, I said, sold, I'm buying your wellness center. I bought my cure. So this place was already seven years old and established, and it had all these different practitioners in there who worked on me. It was amazing. Um, so I have them to thank as well. But there was a therapy in there called Rife Therapy. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's frequency therapy. So if you think the way doctors get rid of kidney stones, what they do is they match the vibration of the kidney stone to its own vibration. It oscillates, it blows up, and you pee it out. It's the same way seismologists will blow through the side of a mountain. They match the vibration of the rock with its own vibration. Boom, you have yourself a tunnel. So it came with a Rife machine. It came with it. So I'm like, well, I better use it. Well, in no time, I regenerated my nerves. So I got my mobility back, which easily <laughs> gave me the chance to lose the weight. It gave me my health back. Patricia, let me just interrupt. Is is Rife the name of, of the of the person, the last name of the person that developed the therapy? Because I recognize it. Royal is that, Rife. Yeah. Yes, Royal okay. Rife. Yes. Yes. So here's the thing. Fast forward into this digital identity and this microchip thing that, you know, is conspiracy theory. Yeah, that's not such a conspiracy theory. Let's fast forward to that for a second. Um, so when the World Economic Forum and all them bad guys um, decide to come in and want to microchip everybody. They're going to say it's for our health. We can download you your medicine. How do you think they're doing that? They stole Royal Rife's technology that was made back in, I think it was the 40s, maybe even earlier. I think it was the 20s, actually, that he came out with this. They took his technology and now that's what they're going to do in the future is download you your medicine through this microchip. So heads up on that. I just thought I'd mention that, um, but that might be a topic for another discussion. Yeah, no, and it's a it's something I, I, I do want to discuss at some point. I, I'm looking at the clock here and seeing we're almost out of time and my chat rooms know that's the case too. And I've got an overwhelming JV, please have her back on. This is so interesting. This is fascinating. But before we end the conversation, you do readings for people. You offer instruction and guidance, as you mentioned before. And I think all of that is on your website, right? PatriciaMona.com. Is that right? Yeah, it is. But I will warn people, I'm booking about a year in, a year in advance, so I'm, I'm packed for readings. But the greatest thing is come learn from me. Learn this stuff. Because honestly, if I can teach you guys how to be able to download your own truth, Align your energy with your soul's truth, not mine, right? So I honestly think, come learn from me. Join one of my classes. I teach, and on my YouTube, my YouTube channel is Patricia Mona Intuitive Consulting. Um, sign up and subscribe there because I do a once a month um, healing and meditation for humanity uh, where we come together and meet in the quantum field and blast this world with healing. I also teach meditations um, online, but you know, regular meditations that are listed on my uh, website, but also my quantum psychic series and psychic development classes. It, yeah, I teach some cool stuff. So check it out on my website, which is 
patriciamona.com and YouTube, Patricia Mona Intuitive Consulting. Now, do the- And I've got on there too for this stuff. What's so. that? Say it again because I, I talked over you. Sorry. I've got a lot of on YouTube um, YouTube videos on psychic development and, and meditation. So you can at least get an idea of what it is that I do. And are the classes, the instruction that you do, is that something that's booked out way in advance like you mentioned? Or can people do that a little more immediately? Um, well, when it's through Zoom, it's endless. My classrooms can be as big as I want. When it's in studio and you're coming to Calgary, I have to cap it at 45. So it all depends on if it's in studio or online. But yeah, no, it's easy to get into class. It's a lot easier. That's why I'm mentioning it. It's a lot easier to um, get me in a class than it is for reading. Patricia, this has been a great discussion. Really, really. And, and I actually really want to, and I'm going to have my producer reach out to you because we want want you to come back. But I'm also interested in some of your other ideas that might not be necessarily related to these discussions. You'd mentioned the World Economic Forum. You mentioned some of these other things that I actually do a different program that talks about some of those things. So we might be able to work together on, on that too. But thank you so much for being here. And I want to see your head nod yes when I ask, will you come back sometime? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I would love to. This has been a blast. And thank you guys so much. And I'm sorry that I didn't get a chance to answer questions. I tend to talk a lot. No, it, everything you did was perfect and the conversation was fascinating so thank you take care of yourself eddie will reach out to you and we'll have you back god bless take care all right thank you again it's patriciamona.com i'm going to put that up back up on the screen here so you can see it patriciamona.com check out the website there's a lot of great information there about patricia's work she does tremendous things and you just got a taste of it tonight you just got a little sample uh, and I, I, I can see uh, our chat rooms absolutely loving the fact that uh, she's agreed to come back. But take the time, go to the website and check out her other work as well. There's a lot of great stuff there. All right. That pretty much does it for tonight. I know that you all like me to ask a few trivia questions to close out the show. I'm looking. Yep. Scooter's on there. Yeah. Three to three trivia questions he's asking for. So we'll do that. I don't like to disappoint folks. So we'll do three trivia questions. Um, we've got some great guests coming up in the next few weeks as well. So. Um, keep checking it out Tuesdays and Thursday nights. We'll do this. Thank you. I, I agree. It was a phenomenal show. Be the light. Thank you so much for, for confirming that for me too. Um, oh yeah. See, rain, I missed your question. Uh, a lot of people had questions. I just didn't get to them all we ran out of time, but here we go. Question, uh, trivia question. Number one. Oh my goodness. I hate when the trivia questions have words that I can't pronounce. I tend to pride myself on my, uh, ability to handle the language, but I don't know what this word is. Uh, a congius, a congius, I think, C-O-N-G-I-U-S. A congius was a liquid measurement used in ancient Rome equal to one-eighth of an amphora. How many pints are in a congius? What's an amphora? This whole thing is, I don't even know. A congius was a liquid measurement used in ancient Rome equal to one-eighth of, of an amphora, amphora. How many pints are in a congius? At this point, <laughs> thank you, Rain. Thank you. At this point, hey, D. At this point, uh, uh, I'll just take any numbers. Let's see. We got four pints. An amphora is a pot for drinks. Okay. So that, but it must be like a, a certain size pot. We've got eight. We've got three. We've got 32. We've got uh, eight pints. We've got three amphora is one of those large urns for storing oil or wine. Okay, that makes sense. 
That makes sense. Scooter says six. Rudy wants three. Uh, Congius's, I guess that's the plural, of beer. <laughs> I don't blame you. Six is again. Yeah, 12. Okay. Again, the question was, a congius is a liquid, me or was a liquid measurement used in ancient Rome, equal to one-eighth of an amphora. How many pints are in a congius? The answer is about six pints. And by the way, the plural of congius is congi. Congi. Who said six? I know I saw a six here somewhere. A couple of them. Scooter said it. Gene said it. I'm sure others said it. Yeah, that was that was just total guesswork. I don't think anybody really had a handle on that one. That's all guessing. Okay. Question number two. Here we go. Where in the United States can you find the wave organ, a large art installation made of PVC and concrete that amplifies the sounds of the ocean? Okay, well, if it amplifies the sound of the oceans, that limits it a little bit. Where in the United States can you find the wave organ, a large art installation made of PVC and concrete that amplifies the sounds of the ocean. Where in the world would that be? Sounds like a California thing to me, the art part of it. I don't think anybody in New York City would take the time to do something like that. We've got Oregon. We've got California, California or Florida, San Diego. Uh, what's Scripps? Is that a, is that a museum or something, uh, Julie? California, Northern California, California, Seattle, California, <laughs> leaning towards California, Venice Beach. We've got Seattle. Uh, I don't know, but I've heard about it. Okay. Scripps is a college for advanced sea studies. Oh, okay. That's cool. All right. Uh, Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Okay. So again, the question is where in the United States can you find the wave organ, a large art installation made of PVC, PVC and concrete that amplifies the sound of the ocean? The answer is San Francisco, California. The wave organ was created by artist Peter Richards in 1986 on a jetty in the San Francisco Bay. So, yeah, everyone was kind of circling around the right area there. All right. Oh, Scooter, you lucked out again, you lucky duck. Because our last one is a twofer because it's a weekend. So we have two more questions. Here is the second of the, or the first of those two questions. What is the only continent on Earth that has land in all four hemispheres? That's got to be pretty easy. I think that one's easy. What is the only continent on Earth that has land in all four hemispheres? That'd be north, south, east, and west. There's only, yeah. I think this everybody's going to get this. What is the only continent on Earth that has land in all four hemispheres? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, uh, we've got a bunch of people saying Asia, a couple Africa's, India, South America. Yeah, I think it's um, <laughs> the king is coming, Fuzz. The king is coming. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, Fuzz Jaybird in our YouTube chat 
and my son, who's not in our YouTube chat, are starting a gaming stream that I will be telling you all about soon so you can jump on and heckle them when they're playing. Uh, let's see, Antarctica. See, I don't think Antarctica's in the Northern Hemisphere at all. Uh, I think that I think it's got to be Asia. Scooter said Asia. I think Asia has got to be it, uh, unless I'm not thinking it through carefully. Yeah, I mean, Antarctica is pretty interesting for a lot of reasons, but that's only, I think that's only in the Southern Hemisphere. I don't think any of Antarctica extends beyond the equator, which would be the Northern Hemisphere. Okay, question again is, what is the only continent on Earth that has land in all four hemispheres? The answer is, wow. Uh, those of us who said Asia, and I was one of them, are wrong. Uh, we actually, uh, let's see, who Iowa Joe got it right. Rebel got it right. Who else? Did anybody else say Africa? Par 5 got it right. Did I miss anybody who said Africa? Yeah, it's Africa. That's pretty wild. I did not. Huh, okay. Uh, Africa is also the only continent that has land at both the equator and the prime meridian. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I guess when you hear the answer. It makes sense. All right. Final question, folks. Final questions. Here, here we go. A black and white cat named Merlin holds a Guinness World Record. What is it? A black and white cat named Merlin holds a Guinness World Record. What is it? Um, no, Par 5. I'm not gaming with Brit. Brit doesn't, doesn't do anything like that anymore. Oh, the cookie monster has entered the foxhole chat. Our good friend, Matt Couch, throwing cookies around in the foxhole chat as though he is one of the Keebler elves. <laughs> yeah, Special K, I, 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 as I think about it, it's, it sounds right. Because if, it's, if Africa straddles the equator, which it does, and it also straddles the prime meridian, I don't know. I'm not going to even pretend. I'm just going to go with the answer. All right. Uh, let's see. A black and white cat named Merlin holds a Guinness World Record. What is it? We've got Heaviest Cat. Sitting on a Roomba the longest. There's a lot of videos of those. Largest poop in a sandbox. Thank you, Matt Couch, for that answer. <laughs> longest tail. Uh, what else? Uh, 11 lives. Yeah. Um, living the longest. Most toes. Oldest cat standing on its head. Ping pong volleys. Interesting. Interesting. Highest jump. Highest cat jump. Eating tuna. Catching mice. Biggest trash in the garbage. <laughs> what are you talking about, Fuzz? Fuzz is saying weird things now. We're talking about Africa straddling the prime meridian and or the equator. Uh, okay, final question again. A black and white cat named Merlin holds a Guinness World Record. What is it? <laughs> the answer is, oh, okay. Nobody's gotten this. Nobody's gotten this. Fuzz, you should get this. Nobody's gotten this. Was it given to rulership over the, uh, yeah, the, it's been, it was given, it was given a, a complete authority over the Egyptians. That's exactly right. 
Angry cat. Now, okay, so the answer is uh, no one No one said this. I don't see anything that's actually even close. Uh, apparently, this black and white cat named Merlin has the loudest purr of a domesticated cat. In 2015, Merlin purred a whopping 67.8 decibels. 67.8 decibels. Uh, Special K, I said North... I don't know what I said. All I know is that uh, I was, you know, I'm thinking out loud trying to uh, also come up with an answer to the questions. Part of what I do, I ask the question, then I try to think through it, maybe help other people think through it. I'm not always right. I don't pretend to be. Um, so if Africa, I think that's what you're still talking about here. If Africa, part of Africa is above the equator, then it would be in the northern hemisphere. If it's part of it's below the equator, in which it is, because the equator goes through the Sahara Desert, then it would be in the southern hemisphere as well. What I'm less understanding of is how it splits east and east and west. I'm not sure the prime meridian is not the divider of east, the eastern and west, or maybe it is. Is it? Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, this cat purrs awfully loud. You ever know, I mean, sometimes a, a cat purr can be soothing, but usually if they're really aggressive and loud, it's really, really, really annoying. Very annoying. Very annoying. Oh, you're Mad Madagascar? Is that part, is that why that, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Scooter. Okay. Madagascar and saying, all right, well, that makes sense then. All right, guys, uh, thanks. We had four trivia questions, Scooter. You owe me one. You owe me something for that fourth trivia question. Some say that purr is healing. I guess the Egyptians would definitely say that, wouldn't they? Yeah. All right, guys, that's it for tonight. Again, Mona, uh, not Mona, Patricia Mona, M-O-N-N-A, patriciamona.com, website of our guest. Check it out. It was a fun show, Mary Grace. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks to everybody for joining us, whether you're on Foxhole or YouTube or even Twitch. Please follow, share, like, and subscribe. And uh, we'll see you uh, for the next show, whenever that's going to be. I never, I mean, it's going to be Tuesday, I guess, right? I'm so confused. I do so many shows now that I get the schedules all messed up. And uh, I'm doing the one o'clock show with Matt. Uh, we do America's Lunchroom, uh, political, but also we try to throw humor in there. And then we do, I do the Independence Gang. I'm doing that a couple, I tried to do it three nights a week. I didn't always get to. Um, so uh, that's generally Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then the Paranormal Show, this show, Paranormal IRL, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I love doing every one of the shows, but man, it, I get confused as to dates and what's coming up next and all that. So forgive me if I, if I misspeak or get it wrong, but you guys know the deal. You know what I'm talking about. So anyway, have a great night and uh, we'll see you all next time.